I imagine when Adina and Kristen are in Wicked and you have to go on, it feels a little womp womp. Yeah, like, Just up in the fly space hearing everyone disappointed when they make the announcement. Like, ladies and gentlemen, the role of Glinda will be played by Laura Bell Bundy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> My name's Quincy. And my name's Kevin. And this is Sentimental Men from Theaterly. We are here to talk, and maybe scream, about our favorite women in musical theater. Well, Quincy, how cute are we showing up to record today in matchy outfits? Kind of matchy, matchy styles. Coordinated, yeah. Like we both have a cap and our round glasses. Oh wow, oh wow. And I didn't even clock the glasses. We do seem a little twinsies. Is that weird or is it cute? I think it's cute. Okay. Anyway, hi Quincy, how are you today? Aloha, I'm having an awful, awful foul day. I've been in a rotten mood, um, but we were talking before we recorded. And I think it's because <laughs> all I've done today is sit in my apartment and tip tap away on my computer and eat a block of tofu. And it is now yeah. 6 p.m. Yeah, I'm going to say that's not a recipe for a good day. But I can already feel my vibes improving because I'm talking with my good friend Kevin and we're about to talk with our good friend Laura Bell Bundy. I'm so excited for this. Yeah, this is a big one. It's like, again, it's just like she's got. <laughs> I don't know how to explain the difference, but it's just like she's such a presence in my like mm -hmm. my like mental yep. image of what Broadway is because she's on two of the best cast recordings that there are. Mm -hmm. She's just like such an intrinsic part of my like musical theater awakening, yeah. my like burgeoning love for the art form. Wow. My mood is improving. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, really, really special performer, really gifted performer, really talented performer, like you were saying. I feel, I feel like, as I was thinking about doing this interview, to me, she kind of has a little bit of the Adina Menzel career factor where the jobs she is doing are specific and high impact and have staying power. I get that. I pick up what you're putting down there. She doesn't participate in flops. You know what I mean? <laughs> She, I feel like she attaches herself to really smart and fun things. And roles that are really perfect for her too. It feels like she has a very good sense of who she is as a person and performer. Mm -hmm. I agree. And I also think too, something that I love about Laura Bell is that she has like, maybe it's not as much on our radar because of her genre of music, but like she has really done the crossover from like Broadway girly to recording artist. Speak for yourself, not on our radar. Very well. Baby, 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 it's Okay, bitch. Oh, look, you lady game busy day. Got a lot on your mind. You should hear about mine. A tall drink of water and a pretty little thing. We're kissing on the corner in the pouring rain. Turn my head to get a better view. Oh, Lord, help me. It was you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm still shaken. There's the, the crispness of those <laughs> lyrics. It's, well, the writing is acting pretty strange, didn't want to talk. Mm, there's a pep in your walk, smiling a lot when you look Here at your phone. Again. There's a change in your tone. I've been through your pockets and smell your shirts. I don't wear a bath and body works. Should have seen the signs you were sneaking around. She must be the number on the napkin I found. Like, good shit. Yeah. Wow, I'm a Laura Bell Bundy stan. <laughs> I know, this is so exciting. <laughs> anyway, let's wow. get into her resume. Okay, yeah, it's a long one, so we should start. So, Quincy, we cannot start Laura Bell Bundy's resume anywhere else but in 1992, when she originated the role of Tina Denmark in the off-Broadway production of Ruthless. And who were her understudies, Kevin? Her understudy was Britney Spears. And also, fun fact, I guess, Natalie Portman. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Look at that. Interesting. <laughs> what a trifecta. <laughs> yes, I'm religious. I believe in the Holy Trinity. <laughs> I wish, in my imagination, they became childhood BFFs and have a ruthless group chat to this day. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> We'll ask. Fast forwarding just a little bit to 2002 when Laura Bell Bundy made her Broadway debut as Amber Von Tussle in Hairspray. Quincy, she was 21. 
one years old. Wow. She was a baby. But you know what? Only a 21-year-old could originate a character like Amber Von Tussle. In 2003, she was the standby for Glinda on Broadway. Or I guess technically 2004, right? Mm, I don't October think she, 2003? I don't thought she didn't. Well, anyways. We'll ask. We'll ask. I thought she didn't open the production. I think the standby for Glinda came later. Came later. Ooh, that's interesting. Okay, cool. Yeah. Next up, in 2007, Ms. Bell Bundy was back on Broadway, originating the role of Elle Woods in Legally Blonde, the musical, which earned her her first Tony nomination. Now, ooh, Quincy, ooh! you may be realizing that that means that Miss Bundy had two original Broadway cast principal roles under her belt by 26. Was she Legally Blonde? She could still be on her parents' health insurance. And this bitch had played two principals on Broadway, original cast. What a fucking star. Wait, I'm sorry. She was playing Elle Woods at 26. If my math is 26 or 27. That which is wild crazy. because to me, she was a, a full woman. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. When I was watching and that now, MTV thing. I'm like... You're a, you're a baby yeah. and all that pressure was on you. At 26, she was belting so much better at the Palace Theater. And at 26, I am sitting here gossiping with my Judy about her belting at the Palace Theater. About her. <laughs> the more things change, you know. In 2009, she did a little pop into the national tour of Legally Blonde Ooh, um, as Elle Woods. That was thrilling for me when that was going on. I remember yeah. like scrounging the internet for those boots. In 2017, she played the role of Trixie in The Honeymooners at Paper Mill Playhouse with friend of the pod and former Legally Blonde co-star, Leslie Kritzer Rodriguez. Going into Spamalot revival on Broadway. Ooh. That'll be so good. When I tell you, I will be seated. Yeah, we should have her back on to talk about that. Oh, gotta, gotta. And now in 2023, she is back on Broadway in The Cottage, playing now. Quincy, you just saw it the I other did. day. Did uh, you love it? Kevin was out with COVID, so was unable to attend. Wah, wah. <laughs> is that okay to out? Yeah, we can talk about COVID. Yeah, I had it. Yeah, so I brought my friend Zachary with me, who is newly in his Broadway era, and I want to read his review that he texted me the next day. We weren't even talking about The Cottage. <laughs> he goes, I told anyone I could talk to today about The Cottage. I'm a huge stan. And he goes, it was so good. Everyone crushed their role. I was laughing the entire time. The plot had me on my toes, but in a really lighthearted way. The set was fabulous. <laughs> Which is just that is so pure. I know. Oh my God. I like loved it. And he was being That's so genuine. so cute. And I laughed because it, it was just so earnest and cute. And he like could not understand what I was finding funny about his review. That's really cute. <laughs> oh, it makes me nice. It makes me happy to know that people still like genuinely enjoy things. Right? Like, isn't that amazing? <laughs> I was like, Like Aw. sometimes I feel so jaded, mm -hmm. right? So I'm to see somebody that like that. You're jaded. You know that one? Mm -mm. Miley Cyrus and the summer vacation. But yeah, I agree wholeheartedly with Zachary's review. It was such a fun, fun time. Laura Bell Bundy, I'm excited to talk to her about this because what seeing her in the show made me realize, which I guess makes so much sense, and we all knew this already, but she is such a brilliant, brilliant actress and physical comedy actress. Mm -hmm. The things mm -hmm. that she was doing with her body on that stage. There's just like, <sighs> Cottage is hard to talk about because there's a lot to spoil. It's like one of those classic mm -hmm. farcy, who's at the door and something's yeah. happening and you're going to find out this door and blah, slamming. blah, blah. Yeah. And it was so fun and engaging. It was two acts. And you know me, I feel like two acts these days are a tough sit. But like this flew by, it was so much yeah. fun. I forgot how much of a crush I have on Eric McCormick. Because mm. mm -hmm. uh, I went into it. Laura Bell Bundy blinders on and yeah. then she opens it but then Eric comes down the stairs and I was like oh I forgot he was in this. <laughs> how is Lily oh I love a belty woman I love a woman who sings Lily yeah. Cooper has an incredible voice she is such a gifted straight play comedy actress as well yeah after yeah. POTUS after seeing her in POTUS and this I was like oh wow mm -hmm. there's something really special about you in this medium that's so cool I love that yeah she was great I love that 
Uh, it makes me so happy to hear you say that the cast is like genuinely good and funny in these roles because it's such a like uh, these types of shows are like a machine where like you push go and it just happens and it yeah. takes a really special skill to keep up in a show like that. I also think it's really easy as an actor. I would imagine it's very easy as an actor to kind of drop the ball in a show like this. Like, yeah, because things are timed and for yeah. it to be good. Yeah, that's so cool. And yeah, I love that about Laura Bell Bundy too, is that it's like you look at her and you think like, oh, she's like perfect, beautiful, mm -hmm. blonde, mm -hmm. cheerleader, popular girl. Mm -hmm. But then she's such a weirdo too. Like she's so cuckoo and funny and she has all those weird parody songs that we're all obsessed with. And I think we can see a trend in her roles on Broadway is she has these kind of like over-the-top campy characters mm -hmm. that have always also been the pretty girl or the popular girl. Mm. Or, so it's she's had these kind of like very singular roles that she's so uniquely correct for. So I can't wait to talk to her about them. No, I'm very excited. I'm excited to be talking about Wicked OG. It's been a while. I know. We should say time is tight with Miss Laura Bell Bundy. So we're going to try and zip, zap, zop our way through this interview and get as much as we can done. Yeah. And maybe she'll be having such a good time. She'll say, I don't need to go on stage. She'll forget she has a heart out. <laughs> I, think she's I think she's calling us from her dressing room too, which is going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's get into our interview with Laura Bell Bundy. I guess you could say that I was blind. I was blinded by my love. I did everything for you, but now push has come to shove. So let's call a spade a spade. Was it worth the price you paid? Well, I am done. You're the lucky one and you can sleep in the bed you made. Laura Bell Bundy, thank you so much for joining us on Sentimental Men today. Happy to be here. And thank you for joining us from your physical location as well. Yes, my dressing room. I love seeing backstage at what theater is the cottage at? Golden? Uh, the Hayes. Hayes. The Hayes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Laura Bell, we have tight timing because you are about to go on stage. You are getting ready to walk on stage for a performance of The Cottage. Mm -hmm. So we're going to jump right into it. We start every interview by asking, how did Wicked the Musical come into your life as a person? Great question. <laughs> Let's see. So I had just done Hairspray and talk mm -hmm. about a life altering experience, right? You know, we were in this crazy, crazy successful musical that everybody was talking about. And I stayed with it for a year. And, and then I ended up getting a pilot, TV pilot. That pilot did not get picked up, but I thought, you know what, maybe I'll go spend some time in LA. So I did spend mm -hmm. like the summer in LA. I was dating a guy in LA and I I decided to come back to New York for the fall. And I was at a party at Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman's house. Cute. And uh, as this is, this is where you get work, I guess. And I was on like their living room dance floor with okay. a guy named Cade Bittner, <laughs> who I had become very close with because he was uh, very good friends with Marissa Winoker. Mm. Yeah. during Hairspray and yeah. also Craig Burns was best friends with Craig Burns. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. he knew that they were looking for a standby for Kristen at the time. They didn't have a standby at all. They had a standby for Elphaba. So this was our right. question. Wicked didn't open with a Glinda standby, right? No, it did not open. Well, it did not open for previews. Gotcha. Okay. And so how far into the run is this happening that you're hearing about this? Like this is right as it's opening? This was during previews. So during previews. Okay. was running for previews and I believe Kristen had hurt her neck or something. As you remember, this rake stage yeah. caused everybody problems. And yeah. there was something mm -hmm. going on with that and maybe something else. But she had to call out and her understudy went on and they had one understudy and then they mm -hmm. had, you know, to cover that understudy and they were in preview. So that then they also knew that in her contract, Kristen had... An out to do Candide. She had an out to do um, another movie. She had, so they were anticipating that she's going to be gone for like a month in the spring. Yeah. And, uh -huh we probably just need to give ourselves a backup plan. And so that mm -hmm. was being discussed. And I guess Cade, my friend, had mentioned me. And then he was talking to me on the dance floor. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. 
know. Like, I just. And had you heard of Wicked the Musical just kicking around in the community? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'd heard gotcha. of it. Okay. I knew that there's this, this new musical that Kristen Chenoweth was doing, and, uh, and it was based on mm -hmm. The Wizard of Oz. And. Mm -hmm. It was one of those things where Kate was like, just go see it. Like, what if I what if I told like Craig to get your tickets to go see the show? Yeah. And mm -hmm. I think at the time I was I had thought, you know, here I'd just done hairspray. I'd just done this television pilot. I thought yeah. maybe I'm gonna go back to LA. I wasn't quite sure. I definitely mm -hmm. did not mm -hmm. have in my mind I was going back to Broadway to be Kristen Shadow's standby. That was not in yeah. my mind, right. you know. It wasn't even that was this was such a surprise. And it was kind of like, huh do I? I could just go back and play Amber in Hairspray, mm -hmm. you know? Right. Especially because at the time, Wicked wasn't Wicked it was, yet, no, right? it So wasn't. it just felt like another right. show. Right, you got in at the ground floor. Right, and it hadn't been reviewed yet. There was nothing. It was not what it is now. <laughs> what I yeah. did love about it is, obviously I love anything Wizard of Oz, um, but, al mm -hmm. but also Kristen. And, uh, and the role was fantastic, right? Super fun, mm -hmm. kind of in my wheelhouse of, of, you know, perky blonde with slightly bitchy tendencies. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and I could use my uh, higher, higher legit operatic voice that I didn't often use, right? right. So I, I went to see it. And I thought it was great. And then uh, they asked me to come in for a director's session. And I learned popular and I learned the beginning of the show and I did a couple of the scenes and then I got in the subway and came back to my place in Brooklyn. And before I arrived at my place in Brooklyn, I had a phone call from Bernie or Craig or somebody saying yeah. wow. for you to, to be Kristen's standby. Wow. Like, that's how it came out. And then, and they hired me before they had opened, but I okay. didn't start until they said, we're opening this week after we open we'll start. Okay. So I uh, was hired before opening, but I didn't start work until after opening. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. And so then what was that like then to start working after the show had just had its its big opening and like it's it's in the middle of this um, very buzzy moment and you're coming in as the new kid, like the first new kid to be added to this cast. It does feel tough, especially because they were out of town. So this company has been together and then they just bring oh, you I in. was like the new girl that was hired to come in. I didn't really know anybody. I had met Kristen before, so I had probably knew her better than anybody. Um, mm -hmm. And I had to just get to know, and I shared a dressing room with Eden Espinosa, so we became very close very fast. And uh, and then I just kind of got to know everybody else. But but when you are a standby, or your your only job is to be an understudy, and you're not actually on stage with anyone, you don't really get that solidarity and that mm -hmm. feeling that you get when you're on stage with people. Like you get that when you go on and they see you backstage, mm -hmm. and but you're not really in the mix. Like when I did Hairspray, we were a family and we were tight. Mm -hmm. And that experience was very, very different than what I experienced at Wicked, which was like, I had like, I could be within a five block radius of the show, you know, um, I would like, hang out with Eden and we would like be reading books or we would listening to audiobooks or we'd be like having art projects or, you know, <laughs> yeah. whatever it was. But it's not that same feeling of like when you're on stage with people and you're, you're hearing, you know, you guys are, you know, it's just a different, it's a, just a completely It's a different thing. Yeah. Like I'm super close with Andrew Palermo. I became friends with Michelle Federer, who is now yeah. enough my understudy in the cottage. Uh, and she yeah, was the original yeah. Nessero. So we laughed mm -hmm. at the, like the irony of all of that. And Norbert <laughs> and uh, Carol Shelley, I became quite close to and spent Christmas with her. So like, I formed my relationships with people. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was, and, and just so you know, like Wicked had mixed reviews. Yeah. yeah, it sold yeah. well. And it's some right. people said it was the best show ever, and some people said I needed more. But I didn't come into this thing that was the wicked that is wicked now. Right, right. What was the word of mouth like in real time as things were happening? Was the word of mouth amazing, even though the reviews were mixed, or was it kind of mixed all around? The word of mouth was there are some yes, it was mixed as well. Right, there was like gotcha. well, I heard it had some problems in San, in where it <laughs> where did they take it. San Francisco. Heard they had to rework this. Heard the creative team didn't get along. Like all this is what mm -hmm. I heard. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. And there had been some tensions. So I came into the building learning there were some creative tensions. 
But yeah. this is where they landed, and they landed in a pretty dang good spot. And by the way, there is never yeah, sure a musical did. that I I I have developed several of these. There's no ever one that's like everybody gets along and everybody agree. <laughs> Always creative tensions because in that tension, new creativity is found. The right things are found when there is. Right. When those compromises, right. yeah, have those compromises mm -hmm. create great moments. It happened in Legally Blonde. It happens in it happened in this show that I'm doing. It it happens in all the shows. But um, and I was not there for San Francisco. Obviously, I didn't know the many incarnations. But there was a this is this role of Elphaba is is intense. It is amazing. These songs mm -hmm. are incredible. The Defying Gravity moment was just boom. So that yes, of course, the town was talking at how incredible this, these roles were for these women. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then when they started selling out, that's it. You know, you know when you're selling out. And mm -hmm. uh, and selling out the Gershwin. Yeah, this Gershwin, massive, <laughs> uh, huge cavern of a theater. So yeah, we, we also knew there was something very special about this and that the people were responding. Mm -hmm. Yeah, was there... An intimidation factor with a role like Glinda for you coming in brand new or how, what were you feeling about taking on that role after seeing it? The harder thing is the originating of a role, find those moments originally. The easier thing is to step in and do the bits somebody else created. I could tell just by reading it that you read it and you're like, yeah, that's fine. But what she's done mm -hmm. to this mm -hmm. that's on this page is brilliant. And... Mm -hmm. That's wonderful to have that blueprint mm -hmm. of a very intelligent, come in, of a, a very intelligent actor. I'm mm -hmm. doing a right. podcast. Can you come on in? Listeners, Hi. Laura is getting ready for her show as she does this interview. <laughs> We're at half hour. We're very casual here. <laughs> so going back, it was wonderful to have someone who, uh, an actress that is that intelligent creating the blueprint for all of these mm -hmm. other actors to get to do. Mm -hmm. And uh, and for me to be the first to be able to play around with that. And that's an honor. And to watch Kristen mm -hmm. every night do what she was doing and, and find her, see, watching her find things was also an honor. I learned a lot from her about comedy. Mm -hmm. I, I learned a lot from her about filling in what was not in a script. Mm. Sure, sure. In Wicked as it stands today, when a standby goes on, there's not necessarily a womp womp because there is a culture now of like getting obsessed with the actresses who are playing mm -hmm. it in all capacities. I imagine when Adina and Kristen are in Wicked and you have to go on, it feels a little womp womp. Yeah, I'm like, Just up in the fly space hearing everyone disappointed when they make the announcement. Like, ladies and gentlemen, the role of Glinda will be played by Laura Bell Bundy. Oh. <laughs> Um, you know, and you just you just kind of deal with it. But what we now know is that everybody who's played Glinda or Elphaba goes on to be like, you know, a Tony nominated or Tony award winning actor in something else in the future. It's mm -hmm. kind of like the rite of passage. The foundation of the Broadway community. <laughs> right. yes. I'm, I'm, I've got my either my Glinda or my Elphaba track. Like, what else am I going to do in my life? <laughs> What else am I going to do? But here's the thing that's so great, and I don't know if you know this story. So playing Glinda was a, a challenge for me to, to to bite off a little bit more of a role than I had had, obviously, as mm -hmm. Amber in Hairspray. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. to also have, there's a, an emotional thing that happens in the second act for Glinda, at least I felt where we see her go through quite a change and she and there's there's some beautiful grounded moments between her and Elphaba that are very vulnerable and just so lovely. And I loved being on the stage with Adina and I loved being on stage with Eden. The the moment of singing for good with them. I never have ever been able to get through that song without <laughs> choking up. I have yeah. never been able to do it. Are you a popular Glinda? A no one mourns the wicked Glinda, or a thank goodness Glinda. Oh, I'm a pop. It can mean. Oh, what? What does it mean? <laughs> it can mean whatever you want it to mean. You just have to explain why. I'm a popular Glinda because I like to make it different every time I do popular, and I yeah. like to have fun with it. And like when I do popular, I have a course in it. I have an impersonation of Donald Trump inside of my. Popular. Yes. I like to have fun with popular. Um, yeah. And I would yeah. say, and nobody cared or asked, but I'm a for good. Glenda, because you're the it, first person who's told us that it's in that moment at the end where we actually get to see 
that Glinda has regrets, that that Glinda is not just a two-dimensional character, but is three and has real deep feeling and love for her friend and has made mistakes and is asking for Mm -hmm. forgiveness and is setting her friend free. And we see that is her true sort of reconciliation there. So right. I like mm. the, what I loved about playing that role is this, and this is what I say about all the role, all of my favorite roles. There is a incredible amount of seriousness. I mean, sorry, excuse mm-hmm. me. Let me go back. Come on in, Dylan. My favorite roles are the ones that I get to be absolutely silly with. And then at the other side, there are these serious moments of truth and vulnerability. So if I can make my audience laugh and cry, that's the perfect night of theater for me. I think that comedy, not beauty, is the heart opener. Comedy is that mm-hmm. moment where at the mm-hmm. audience and the actor are acknowledging bits of truth, as silly as they may be. Mm-hmm. But it's something that makes us laugh. My computer I'm laugh. living for this right now. It's something that makes us laugh. And so we collectively are connected Mm -hmm. and our hearts are open. And then the rest of the truth of the play, the message, the whatever can come through. Right. It's a disarming experience. When someone makes you laugh, it is disarming. It makes you love them. Not when they're beautiful, but when they make you laugh. Mm -hmm. And and then it's those characters that can devastate you the most because Mm -hmm. they're the ones like you become friends with. Mm We had somebody, I don't remember who it was, but somebody we had on once said that, to your point, that the second Glinda comes down and says, yes, it's good to see me, isn't it? She's got them in their inner hand. Because it's like, okay, I'm giving you permission to be part of the play. Right. You get to laugh and say hi and and think things are funny. And we're winking at you. We're doing, we're like gagging at at Wizard of Oz here. Mm -hmm. And so we're also like, you know, anytime you're like, that's right, you take that one road the whole way. Like, the, the, <laughs> like imitating the original Billy Burke or like these different little things that you can put in, you know, and making also Glinda, which which Kristen did so beautifully, kind of ungraceful at moments. Like she can't, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. like during popular where she's like, la, la, and then, uh, forget about it. So it's on. Yeah, 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 to, yeah. So we, there's, you know, that's the silliness of her right away, even as even as glamorous and graceful as she appears like she's going to be. Um, mm-hmm. She's down on everybody's level. It's a wonderful thing. Okay, so to transition us into Legally Blonde, I have a two-part question. You don't want to hear about the time that Kristen Chenoweth uh, almost shat her pants on stage and I had to go on and act two? <laughs> no, please tell that well, story. <laughs> no, wait, we can wait for, yeah, we'll pause. Tell us that. <laughs> so Kristen runs off stage before the end of Defying Gravity. Before she's supposed to, okay? And I get this call, Laura Bell, uh, <laughs> please come to the stage manager's office. No. And I wasn't in much better shape. I had just eaten a dozen buffalo chicken wings thinking I wasn't going to be on. And I go in and they're like, you know, Laura Bell, you're on tonight. You're on for act two. And I'm like, what? You know, and of course, when someone is uh, covering, they go into the star's dressing room because that's where all the traffic right. is happening. But Kristen mm-hmm. can't leave. Because she's on the toilet. She can't get up and go to her apartment because the reason she, whole reason she left is that she needs to be on the toilet. So she's on the toilet in her dressing room. I'm sitting at her dressing table, putting on makeup, trying to work up, going, and she's like, Laura Bell, are you all right? If you need anything, you can use any of my makeup, honey, anything you need. And I'm like, are you okay? And she's like, I'm all right. Oh, God. Oh, God. And I had that chi- uh, fried chicken salad from Applebee's. Anyway, so the whole thing is going on. It's a hilarious 15 minutes. I mean, and now looking back on it, at the time I was terrified, she was terrified. It was awful. But she's on the toilet doing her own vocal exercises while I'm doing my vocal exercises for going on. And it's one of my favorite. And then, of course, karmically, I ended up having an almost shit myself moment in Legally Blonde. And I thought, this is because I've told this story, of course. Um, <laughs> This is because I laughed when it I happened. Laughed. Like, are you all right, Laura Bell? And I'm like, are you? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, Did you ever have ambitions to do it full time after Kristen? Uh, 
I did at one point and I was offered it and we could not come to a, an agreement on the deal. And mm, so mm. I left uh, Wicked and I decided, okay, now I am going to go to LA and I'm not coming back to Broadway until I'm starring in an original role. So I'm originating mm-hmm. a musical that I'm starring A principal role, right. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so moving into Legally Blonde, Elle Woods versus Glinda, which is more difficult as a role? Because I don't think we talk enough about how hard Elle Woods is. Elle Woods by far. I talk about it all the time. <laughs> Elle Woods by far is harder. Elle Woods is like alphabetier, never off the stage, yell- yelling the whole show. Yeah. Like at a 10. I had multiple baths bathroom breaks playing Glinda. I, d- I didn't have any. <laughs> I mean, that's just telling you there. Yeah. I think like, you know, just just in terms of like carrying a show, it's just, you know, you have mm-hmm. two people that doing it in Wicked and you have one that's doing it in Legally Blonde. It's just a different, mm-hmm. it's just a different experience. The song that Elphaba about... sings though, good Lord Jesus. Oh my God. Yeah. God bless those Elphabas out there. Right, but you're belting as Elle Woods. No, I know that. I know that, but come on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> much better. In you know what I mean. There's like three so much better yeah. in Wicked. So right. that that's, right. that's 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 tough. Can I ask you? We were we were again in the intro. We were talking. You were so young when you were uh, leading Legally Blonde. Like you were a baby. And to talk about leading the show, carrying a cast, being like the leading woman on stage, but also the the lead, the uh, the face of it the cheerleader of this cast yeah and also everything that comes with it like was that crazy and did you see any um did you see Kristen going through any of that or did or previously in hairspray that then prepared you for that moment as Elwoods in so I would say that every uh leading actor I have ever watched whether that was Marissa Winoker or you know Harvey or uh Glinda and I mean she Kristen and Adina, I mean, they've all sort of informed me, mm-hmm. but it felt like a kind of a natural transition. I mean, as a child, I had done Ruthless where I was the lead of the musical and I had developed yeah. that for mm-hmm. a few years and I'd gone through different incarnations of it. So in a way I was, I was very much prepared to originate a musical. I mm-hmm. felt like I was the next thing for me was mm-hmm. originating a leading role on Broadway. It was the thing that I had told the universe that I wanted. And so in a way, I I didn't know what I didn't know, which is a good thing. Mm, There's a level of naivete Mm -hmm. that I had just like Elle, but it helped because I didn't know what to be scared of. And I just sort of did it. It was like being present. I'm here. I'm doing this. I'm Mm. listening to my director. I'm learning how to advocate for myself. Um, and yes, of course, I, I learned I learned a lot from Kristen in the way that she constructed a comedic role. But I've learned from everybody that I was I've ever worked yeah. with, right? Because we absorb like sponges, and you're learning from a lot of people. I'm stepping out to hold on, get my <laughs> computer chargers. Oh my god, no! Do I not have it? Oh no, I have it. <laughs> the sense I get from you is that. One, you're very grounded, but two, you have a very solid sense of who you are as a person and performer. And it feels like that has translated into the projects that you choose to take on. Everything you've done Mm. has been such a slam dunk for you as a performer. Everything you've heard about. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. (laughs) But I'll just say that I imagine a lot of things come across your desk and what do you, what goes into making a decision? And let's think about it in like a stage job kind of a way. Like when the cottage comes across your desk, what about it? Are you like, okay, yeah, let me come back to Broadway in this. Uh, yeah, it hit all the, it, it's checked all the boxes. Um, and the, the, the creative ones, the, the, the logistical, the logistical ones, the family ones, the message ones. Mm-hmm. So here you have this silly and serious character mm-hmm. who starts the show kind of as a fool and then finds her voice by the end. And we see her go through many different ranges of emotion uh, in finding her voice at the end. And she truly does get her voice in the end. And there is a feminist message to it. And as you know, anything about me and my uh you know, yeah. feelings about female empowerment, then that mm-hmm. 
that was definitely checking a box. But it was funny on on page one. The play mm-hmm. itself is funny. The commentary on love and marriage and relationships I thought was very interesting and smart. I thought mm-hmm. it was smart. I thought it was funny. I thought it had a great message for women. Um, I loved the idea of doing a play for the very first time that wasn't right. a musical. I loved that I'm back on the East Coast now and I can do this show while having a family and a mm-hmm. farm. So for me, uh, and you know, it, it, it depends on where you are in your life, right? I wanted to come back mm-hmm. to Broadway. I was kind of waiting for that one role. Mm-hmm. And this one checked all the boxes creatively. It was also a challenge. I'm looking for a challenge. I'm playing a, a British character from 1923 that's kind of spoofing Noel Coward. Never done that before. Mm-hmm. That challenge. <laughs> so I liked the challenge, but something about it made me think that I could do it. Jason Alexander thought I could do it. Mm-hmm. And I was excited for that. And I have also learned about myself from having played a leading role in a show to playing like the third or fourth or fifth supporting that mm-hmm. I like to set the pace. I like mm-hmm. to be the conductor of the train. And so I also wanted to come back to Broadway as the train conductor. Mm. And I guess it just, I I won't always be in that place, but I do like to set the pace and the energy of the show because then Mm. it's my pace and energy, right? So it's like getting on board energy. It's just kind of like, it sounds, I don't know what it sounds like me saying that, but it's just kind of, you know, I'm a little bit. Self-preservation. Yeah, self-preservation. I mean, I said it fast. I said it fast. I mean, we're out and we're we're home early. <laughs> but um, but I I enjoyed that. I enjoy just feeling like having a juicy role. Like even though I I I literally don't have bathroom breaks. Nope. <laughs> Back to that. Uh, that was a bit of a problem two weeks ago. But um, <laughs> but I love feeling like I get to fully engage for two hours. I love that I don't ha- I don't get to step out of being her and being yeah. on this journey with the mm. audience. I love being on stage the whole fucking time. Mm-hmm. Um, it is the most present that I ever am is when I'm on stage. Mm-hmm. And I am fully listening. I'm not on my phone at the same time. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's true. I am yeah. there with you. I'm listening to my fellow actors. Right. I am listening to my audience. I am on my toes. And there is something like that moment of being able to be fully present and engaged and like feeling this energy, both from the audience, but reading like the thoughts of your fellow actors on stage to know like, oh, this Mm -hmm. joke might be coming and this laugh might be held out. And now is when I come in. It's like we're riding waves together. We're surfing together, but we're fully in this moment with all of these people in the audience and on stage that is so alive. And it is that I don't want to step off of. I just love that so much. And that's more home to me than anything. Mm. Okay. I do want to just do some rapid fire questions before we wrap this up. Because I have a lot of thoughts. We have to talk about, we do have to talk about that. And this is a very important thing for any of those actors out there. A lot of people say, how do you get by in this business? This business is all about relationships. This business is all about showing up being a good person, right? Not burning the bridges mm-hmm. when you have those jobs, right? Being a good listener, being a good participant, being a good cast member, crew member, etc., and making mm-hmm. a good impression on the people that you work with because those people move mm-hmm. on and they work on other things and sometimes they bring you with them. So with Hairspray, Jerry Mitchell was the choreographer and I was doing Wicked mm-hmm. and there was an announcement that came out that he was going to get his directorial debut doing Legally Blonde. And so I sent him a note. Now, this is, I got some balls at 22, <laughs> 22, 23. I don't even know how old I was, but I have some balls. I don't even think I have balls mm-hmm. like this now. Well, it's a very 22 <laughs> thing to do, I think. Uh, and yes. I sent him a note. And I was like, hey, congratulations on uh, on your directorial debut for Legally Blonde. You deserve it. You're going to be great. And And I truly meant that because... He, he was so involved mm-hmm. in the direction of Hairspray, even though he was a choreographer. He and Jack sort of were like worked as a unit. And uh, he said, uh, and I said, I also know someone who might be good for Elle Woods, wink, wink. <laughs> and he said, honey, why do you think I came to see you in Wicked? I wanted to see if you could carry a show. 
he goes, I'll, I'll have you in front of the creative team when it's time, which was about six months later. Um, what did you say back to that response? Because I'm imagining if I'm 22 and I get that response back from Jerry Mitchell, I'd one, be yeah. gagged, but two, how do you respond to it? I don't know. I have to look it up what I said. I guess I said, sounds great. See you then. You know? And then, and then silently to myself, I was like, ah! you know, freaking out. Um, but the thing is, I realize now I've got to maybe pick up the pace of yeah. my getting ready. But um, but yeah, so I I think the thing is is I had had a I had had a pretty decent relationship with Jerry. We weren't super close. I was surprised when he told me he wanted to come see me in Wicked. And so uh, thank you five. Thank you guys. Yeah, so it's kind of it. It was all kind of crazy. But I believe that Wicked was the stepping stone to Legally Blonde mm -hmm. for whatever it, it, you know, it was. That was what it led to for me. It feels like the perfect trajectory as Amber Von Tussle to Glinda Standby to Elle Woods. Like, it's just so perfect. And by the way, I, I just <laughs> I just met this girl. She came backstage and she's like, I'm, you know, I was Amber and, and I was Elle. And I was like, well, all I have to do now is Glinda. <laughs> you know. It's the type. You know, yeah, that's uh, the path right there. And then somebody. Normal Bundy. Okay, you know, I know you need to do rapid fire, but I also got to put my pantyhose on. No, yeah, yeah. This has been. We can let you go. <laughs> we'll let you, you can go. rapid fire me while I'm putting my eyelashes on. Okay, well, first rapid fire isn't a question. It's just kind of a statement. Okay. You have kind of been my dream Jenna and waitress for a very long time. I could see a Hollywood Bowl situation working for that. <laughs> Do you have any off-the-record information to share? No. You singing that score would be incredible. I love the vulnerability of her. Uh, I really emotionally connected with that um, character. And that's it. Like, and the southern accent. <laughs> so if I did Jenna, I would do Jenna with a southern accent while she's singing as well. Because you can't play a character and then not do the accent while you're singing. Let's get like an immersive diner production of it going somewhere in the south. Like in a Waffle House, like. You know. Pack your bags, we're going. Oh my God. And my last rapid fire is I'm obsessed with Love and War, the cut song from Legally Blonde. We asked Leslie Kritzer this when we had her on. Is there a cut moment, line, song, melody, anything from Legally Blonde that you remember and are like, damn, I really love that moment? Bone cake. They cut this line that Andy Carl had bone cake when Orfe, when Paulette gives the cake for the birthday, mm -hmm. he, he would slam the door and go, bone cake. And it made me laugh and they cut it. And uh, and then they added, like my last show, he added it back in. Um, oh but yeah, bone cake was that. And then I loved Love and War. We all loved it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Missed that song. There was a lot of them, actually. There was a song called Why Can't a Man Be More Like a Dog? Come Home from Work. He's right there expecting you. Instead of the many incarnations of Bad Idea, Bad Idea, and then it was Ireland that Paulette had. Uh, There's a ton of really great things that were cut from Legally Blonde in the year and a half that I developed it. Amazing. Kevin, Say lovey. any it rapid happens. fires, Kevin? Oh, I wasn't prepared for rapid fire. <laughs> no, my rapid fire is just have a good show. <laughs> This was so fun. <laughs> Quincy, how's your mood now? How you feeling now? You still feeling down in the dumps or did that lift your spirits? Listeners, I am buzzing. I am actually so happy. I was gonna go for a walk after this to get some vitamin D into my skin. I'm not even sure I need that because I got vitamin Laura Bell Bundy. You should. <laughs> <laughs> I got vitamin LBB, honey. I can't get vitamin D at 7 p.m. <laughs> That's true. That was the most, in all seriousness, she was the perfect guest and that situation was the perfect situation to have for an episode that you and I both started in pretty sourpuss moods. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. But then she got stuck in traffic on her way to the theater. So she didn't sign on until a little after that. And we were like, oh my God, we're going to have like 20 minutes to, to ask her 1800 questions that to we have prepared. To ask her a lifetime of questions were. To ask her literally about 20 years of her career. <laughs> But 
she was down to clown and she was like, as long as you guys don't mind, I can just do this while I put my face on for the show. And we were like, do we mind? I would love. Well, she was like, she prefaced it. She goes, so here's what we're going to do. And I kind of immediately was like, (laughs) oh, she's going to tell us we have like five minutes. And then she goes, yeah, we can keep talking. I'm just going to start putting my makeup on and getting costumes. And I was like, God bless. That is exactly what I needed to happen, actually. And it was a, it was so transfixing, like watching her put Not her lashes on at the end. No, watching her do her makeup, it was like she was. It was just so like practiced. Like I was like, she's been putting that eyeliner on since she was seven years old and ruthless. You know what I mean? This is a girl who's been putting falsies on yeah, her whole. That's life. true. Well, and that's kind of what I took away from the convo, where I'm just like you. One have it's like she's kind of she's child actress vibes in the sense where like that is her life. She works, but she's yeah, not she's child working. actress vibes in the sense where like that is her personality Adulthood. and vibe as a person. You know, right, right. Yeah, it's funny because it, I mean I said it to you and then said it to her. Is it's like it was striking to me how young she was when she had these big career milestones. But like she said, she was like, yeah, but like she had been doing it. Like her 26 is not our 26. Like she's by 26, she was a decade and a half into her career. (laughs) It's actually so commendable that she has, that she is the way she is having lived the life she's lived. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I did take away. She's on a farm. Right. But what I took away was like, she is always, and I feel like I've said this 20,000 times this episode, but it has not sunk in with me yet. She's just so sure of who she is as a person and performer. Mm -hmm. Even when she was talking about how she was viewing the next evolution of her career at every step of the way, it was always with a surety Mm -hmm. and not like any apprehension, anxiety, really. It was kind of just like, yeah, this is what I should be doing is what I'm going to do, you know? Yeah. I'm obsessed with her. I'm obsessed too. I was obsessed going in and then now it's like, here's some more. Yeah. You want more obsessed? Here it is. And listeners, we were talking to her up until 7 p.m. until curtain of the cottage. And then she ran downstairs and went on stage. She literally said, I, she was like, oh, we got five minutes. I got to pick up the pace. It was, it was like 6.56 and she was like, okay, I really do got to go. But do you have any more questions? And we were like, no, go. Go do your show. And we tried, we were like, you can go. And she was like, no, you can ask me the question. It was, uh, I'm buzzing. Buzzing, buzzing. You know, can I say something that I liked what she talked about Wicked? No, you actually can't because that's not at all what we do in these outros, Kevin. I guess what I meant was, am I good to move into that section, (laughs) Quincy? (laughs) First of all, love that she is a popular Glinda because we've not had a popular Glinda yet. She's such a popular Glinda. I wish we could have told her we saw her at that... I know. West Side the Theater. basement. Not the West Side Theater, at that Upper West Side Theater. Yeah, at, yeah, lowercase, at a, <laughs> low, at a lowercase WS, <laughs> lowercase S, lowercase T, West We should have brought it up, because I want to know what she thought of that. I know. We'll ask her. Anyways, my favorite thing that she said, uh, was that she liked for good because you got to see Glinda's regrets. And that really struck me because I never really thought of it in that way. And it's such a good throwback to the lyric, I hope, uh, I really hope you get it and you don't live to regret it. And then to think of it in the terms of like, we see these two women go through act two and Alphaba does not live to regret it. And Glinda does. And I I had not like compared their journeys in that way before. So thank you, Laura Bell Bundy, for giving me something new to think about. It's crazy. When I'm falling asleep. You can still unpack things after all these years. After all these episodes. I guess it was a stupid question for me to ask if Elwood's was harder or easier. Yeah, that was Glinda. stupid. It <laughs> <laughs> was really stupid. Please, please make a video clip with her facial reaction when you ask that question. I think I was trying to give the Glinda girl some credit. We all know how I feel. <laughs> that is, I, yeah, that was so funny. Um... The video crazy clips though, from this episode are going to be crazy. Unhinged. <laughs> like half face of makeup. <laughs> and just us being like, I also thought it was interesting, again, like her being so self-aware and so sure of who she is. I like that she could say, um, 
firmly and like know this about herself she's like i like a role where i get to set the pace Mm -hmm. of the show like i like to drive the train yeah which is so interesting then to think like i think you said to me off mic is it's like what what drew her to come back to broadway in a play and not a musical Mm -hmm. and like there aren't many like a a farce like this is the most musical a play is going to get Mm. and to to and it's big and it's animated and it's over the top and so it's like i can see how somebody who likes the challenge and the uh rising to the occasion of driving a a show like that would be drawn to something like this. I can't wait to see her in it. Yeah. I mean, the play literally, like, curtain comes up and she's, like, lounged on a chaise couch, you know? Hot. (laughs) (laughs) I also think that, like, if I'm an actress, setting the pace of a play has got to be easier than setting the pace of a musicale because there are other things outside of your Mm -hmm. control, pacing-wise, with musicals. Like, such as a conductor. Who shot... Literally. (laughs) Setting setting actual paces. (laughs) (laughs) I'm thrilled. This was so much fun. I'm so happy now. Thanks, Laura Bell Bundy. And thanks to all of you. Mm. Kevin, w- yeah. want to plug some stuff? Yeah. Can I run us through our end of episode laundry list? Go for it. Don't tell me you have a doc pulled up that you read off of for this. What? No, I have bullet points. Wow. Down. It's a lot to say. I know. You pass it off on me. <laughs> and then you're like, don't tell me you have a document. <laughs> Asshole. All right, couple things to plug right now, Quincy. Number one, our episode of Down the Yellow Brick podcast released a couple days ago. Oh. When you're listening to this, it released a couple days ago. So head over and give that a listen. I think you'll really like it. We got to talk about Wicked in a way that we don't really get to talk about it on our show, which yeah. was really fun. I learned stuff really, on really that fun. podcast. Yeah, me too. Me too. It was great. Second thing that I would like to say is that uh, if you liked today's episode and you are looking to support the pod as a result, there are a couple ways to do so. Number one, you can join the Green Circle by subscribing to our Patreon. Members get to be on our close friends list, help us plan episodes, and get to listen to extended episodes and bonus content. If you're looking for a free way to support the pod, give us a rating, give us a review on whatever app you are listening to. Quincy, our next episode is like the start of our Wicked Month celebration. So I am, what a way to, to go into Wicked Month with Laura Bell Bundy. Ushering us in. And ushering us out of our standby era and into what we have cooking up for Wicked Month. The wonderful, whimsical, wicked month. Doesn't work. All right. No. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. You've been listening to Sentimental Men from Theaterly. This episode was produced by Quincy Brown, Kevin Bianchi, and the team at Theaterly. Thanks to Anthony Abitangelo, the most swankified podcast editor in town. And another thanks to Michaela Reynolds for making us look downright osmopolitan in our new key art. And to Julia DeMarzo for our logo design. If you want to get in touch, send us an email. We love to hear from you all. You can reach us at sentmenpod at theaterly.com. That's T-H-E-A-T-R-E-L-Y. You can also connect with us across social media on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at SentMenPod. Thanks for tuning in. Till next time, I'm Quincy. And I'm Kevin. God, imagine living in an era where the whispers on the Times Square Street are Adina Menzel belting. She's fucking yelling.